This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Yes, indeed. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Yeah, it's, boy, it's great to be back. And uh, I slept eight hours a night for a month solid. I took a nap about two out of every three days. So you are, I mean, I could preach for like five hours today. Okay, all right, all right. Actually, we're about ready to find out if I can still remember how to preach. That's the real deal. So uh, I'm just delighted to be back. I missed everybody, and I so appreciate the prayers. I know many of you were praying for me, and uh, it was a, a wonderful, relaxing, restful, rejuvenating time. And I have a brand new favorite place for my personal devotions with God, which I will tell you about probably in a little bit. And uh, so it's just lots of really good stuff. I have a ton of stuff to teach you, so that's all I'm going to say by way of introduction, except for those of you who are first-time people. Uh, Those of us who have been at New Life a while, we remember our first Sunday. We remember walking into a place and not being sure and all that kind of stuff. And and yet now we look back at that Sunday and realize that God has used this church and his ministry here to change our lives. We just want to welcome you along on that journey. And if this is your first Sunday, uh, do your best to, to be as relaxed as you can. Um, I'm going to teach you some things out of God's Word that I think uh, have tremendous potential to make you a better person and to add to the quality of your life. And they're not, they're not things that have the power to do that because I'm a great teacher they are things that will do that because they come from Jesus himself. And uh, when he's the source and the origin, it's all good. Uh, one of the great things, uh, important parts that helps us be able to do that as a church is this Start Here card. So let's all get out the Start Here card. If you come here every Sunday, and we already have your, your contact information. You can just put your name down, but it if, if you're new to New Life, please take a little bit of time as I speak to complete the contact information uh, box. And then on the back, there's all sorts of places to request information, sign up for things, submit prayer requests, and, and so forth. So uh, even a place to apply what we're going to talk about this morning. The second thing that you're going to, well, two other things you're going to want to get out. Uh, somewhere there near your chair, you should see one of these. And it's a love does thing. I got to tell you this morning, Justin came up to my office about seven o'clock this morning and said, hey, was that you down there who did that thing? I said, what thing? He goes, are you sure it wasn't you? I said, whatever it was, I'm not guilty. And he goes, somebody brought in coffee, bagels, cream cheese, and donuts for the whole worship staff and the, and the guest services team. Is that awesome or what? That is, yes indeed. That's a love does thing. Because love doesn't sit idly by, it does things. And we want to fill up this whole wall with just stuff that we're doing or that has been done for us that just says, we're not just learning about love, we're doing it. Are you enjoying reading the book? Is that guy crazy or what? Yes. It's a great book. And I'll tell you what it does for me. I'm a perfectionist in sort of a, uh, what shall I say? Okay, I live inside the box, right? That guy has no box. I'm sure he has no box. 
And he stretches my concept of reality. And that, that's really good for me. And so I'm really enjoying reading it. But if you will take a moment and write one of those down, at the end of our service, we'll be passing baskets, we'll be collecting these, the Start Here cards, uh, and your offering at that particular point. And then grab your teaching notes, and let's talk about the summer of love. You know, it's no surprise to any of us that the followers of Christ would be challenged to be good at love. Because even if you don't know anything about Jesus, you know at a minimum that His name is connected with love. Wouldn't it be great if the whole world knew that it was just automatic to connect the followers of Christ with love? What do you think about that for a minute? Wouldn't it be great if you talked to your neighbor and you said to your neighbor who was miles away from Christ and who maybe never has been to church in decades, wouldn't it be great if you said to him, what do you know about Christians? And he goes, I don't know, but I know this. Every Christian that I've met, there's just something loving and kind and wonderful about them. Now, here's what our goal in the summer of love is. It's not just learning about it. Look up on the screen. It's becoming multidimensional lovers. And I want, I, want, I want to lay that out for us uh, using our imagination. So imagine with me a world where everyone is loved. And everyone is loved equally and everyone is loved fully. And no one feels taken advantage of. And everyone feels equally valued and everyone is secure in who they are. And no one ever feels devalued or put down. Now imagine in this world there are five different languages that are spoken. But the amazing thing about the languages is none of them can be translated or expressed in the other language. There's only one way that you can actually work in that world and communicate with all the people in that world, and that is you have to learn all five languages because none of them can be translated. Now imagine with me that you and I get dropped into that world and we only know how to speak one of those. We don't naturally speak any of the others. Think with me for a minute. If you get dropped into that world and the only language you know is your primary love language, you are missing 80% of what goes on in that world because you speak only one of the five languages. Four out of every five people that you meet, you cannot speak with. You can't really communicate love to them. They can't really communicate love to you because you don't know how to speak their language and no one can translate. Friends, that's not an imaginary world. That's the world in which you and I live. The part about everybody being loved equally, okay, that's imaginary, okay? That's coming. That's called heaven. But we get to ramp up to heaven by learning how to live as multidimensional lovers. And that's why as a church we said, let's take the whole summer and let's, let's learn how to communicate love in all five languages. So at a minimum, most of us are learning four languages of love this summer. 
And we're learning how to speak them with God and to hear them from God. And we're learning how to speak them to our neighbors and how to hear it from our neighbors. And this morning, I'm going to take the wraps off of language number two. We've been talking about words of affirmation. This morning, we shift gears and we go to language number two, and that's quality time. How many of you have an inkling that quality time might be your love language. Would you put your hand in the air? Yeah. There are lots of you, about one-fifth of you. Imagine that. That quality time is your love language. Now, let's take a look at what the key question of the day is. The key question is, how can God and I, because today I'm going to focus on the, the, the vertical dimension of quality time, how can God and I love each other through the language of quality time? I can tell you that in order to do that, we have to understand how quality time works. And so we're going to take a look at three different aspects of quality time. First of all, we're going to take a look at the goal. And I want to tell you right up front that the goal of quality time is not time. How's that for a revelation? I always thought quality time must be time. No, the goal of quality time is actually togetherness. I want you to picture with me a father of a young child, and they're both on the floor, and they're rolling the ball back and forth together. Fun time? Great time. Is it quality time? Could be. Might not be. If the father and son are rolling the ball back and forth, but the father's watching TV while he's doing it, is it quality time or not? No, it's not going to be quality time. If he's talking on his cell phone, what do you think? No, that's not quality time. Listen, if a couple goes to the movies and they watch a movie together, is that quality time? No, not unless they are teenagers sitting in the back paying no attention to the movie. You understand? Now we're going to learn why the, the characteristics of quality time. Because if you don't understand the characteristics, you're going to be putting in the time, but you're not actually going to be communicating because you have to know some things about quality time. The goal is, what is the goal? togetherness. How does that happen? Well, there are three things that you need to know, three wonderful characteristics. And the first is, all quality time needs to have the feel of being extended time. Here's what I want you to think. It, it, it doesn't even have to be about the length of the time, but it has to have the feel that the clock is not ticking in the background. You cannot microwave quality time. You cannot look at your wife or your husband or your kids and say, I'm yours for 15 minutes. What do we do? I got 15 minutes of quality time for you. Because I don't care what you do in that 15 minutes. If the clock is ticking, it so diminishes what takes place in that time. I realize we all have time boundaries that we have to live in. But if you're going to speak quality time love language to someone, it has to have the feel to them of being extended. You can't be looking at your watch while you're talking. 
Okay? Because I'll tell you why. The second characteristic of quality time is it has to be undivided attention. I want you to think about this. The most impactful times in your life, whether it was was with your father or your mother or a teacher at school or a close personal friend, were most of those really impactful times when you were in a group setting and the teacher was teaching the whole group or the whole family was together and your father was delivering a speech to the whole family? Or were most of your impactful times somehow when you were with that teacher or your dad or your mom or your grandfather or an uncle or a close friend and it was just the two of you? I think if you're realistic about that, the vast majority of them were one-on-one times. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek to the application. For those of you who come to church and you actively participate in church, but you don't have a personal one-on-one time with God, do you understand what that says about that? You're asking God to make the most impactful times in your life times when you're sitting in a large group. And I want to tell you that nothing can ever take the place in your life of you and God being alone together. And next week, Kevin's going to tell you that if you're a parent... Nothing in the world, no vacation you can take your kids on, no amount of sports that you can take them to, no experience that you can help them have at Disneyland, no education that you can give them, no amount of money that you can bestow to them as they head off into their adult life, or no inheritance that you leave them after you die. None of those things can take the place of that one-on-one time that your child needs with you. And believe it or not, you need with your child. It has to be undivided attention. Third thing about this is there has to be some two-way revelation going on. Now this morning we're going to talk about it in light of You know, when you meet with God, I'm going to stretch your mind here just a little bit, but I want you to get it, okay? When you meet with God one-on-one, there has to be a sense of self-revelation to God. That's why when you pray, and you pray, oh God, be with this person, and be with that person, and be with this person, and bless my kids, and bless my aunt, and bless my uncle, and help President Obama, and all those wonderful things to pray about, but you never disclose to God anything about yourself. There will never be quality time in that prayer. Because true quality time always contains some sense of two-way revelation. Now listen, I'm going to stretch it a little bit further right here. Imagine what would happen if you and I stayed with God until He began to reveal Himself to us. Think with me for a minute. Acquaintances talk about the weather and events. Yeah. 
but they rarely get deeper than that. If you go a little bit deeper, you talk not only about the weather and events, you might talk about personal events in your life. If you get a little bit deeper than that, you might talk about opinions that you hold on certain subjects. You're getting your, your, your relationship a little bit deeper. If you get even deeper than that, you start talking about your personal feelings. And it's not until you share your personal opinions and your personal feelings and your insecurities and your vulnerabilities and your hopes and your dreams and your aspirations in this life and the disappointments that you had along the way and the hurts that you had. And when you get to that level, you're beginning what we call self-revelation. You're starting to peel back the layers of your life and you're starting to be open with this person. Now friends, that's what quality time is. It's not about time. What's the goal of quality time? Togetherness. And when we get to the point that there's two-way revelation and we feel comfortable laying that stuff out with God. And this is the hurt that I've had. And this is how I feel about that. And I don't even know if it's all right to feel that way. So God, I need you to give me some guidance on that. Because I want to feel about that as I should feel about that. And I want to think about that as I should think about that. And these are the insecurities that I have. And I want you to meet me in those insecurities. And you just start laying your life out with God. You're starting to have quality time. And I, I listen, I promise you that as you begin to lay out your life like that to God, He will begin to give you messages in your spirit. And all of a sudden, things that you have read in His Word will just ring in your heart and you will begin to realize God will say to you, that's how I felt when I sent my Son. That's how I felt that day I watched my Son go to Calvary and I saw Him so brutally treated. I know how that feels. And He will begin to reveal Himself to you. Not in any sort of imaginary way, but it's a heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit kind of thing. And it's what God longs to have with every one of us. And friends, you can't get that. You get tiny, tiny, tiny little glimpses of it in a church service. But you can't get that in its full reality until you are one-on-one with God and the clock isn't ticking in the background. It's an extended time. It's not your minute with God or even your five minutes with God. Until you have an extended time with God, it's one-on-one and there's two-way revelation. I've told you many things that my father has taught me. There are things that are deep and personal. And you know, almost everything that I've taught you, that my father taught me, that many of you have commented on, almost every single one of those, he spoke to me while we were one-on-one. He was never addressing the whole family. And by the way, quality time 
is not actually my primary love language. But I can tell you, everybody in the world responds to it. I want to tell you about the most personal one-on-one I ever had with my dad as a child. We were riding in the car. It was just him and me. And I asked him a question. I said, Dad, you're such a great father. And, and you, you're always, you always include me in your life. You never go, he never, rarely, almost never went on a trip that he didn't take us. That's just the way he rolled. I said, where'd you learn how to do that? Now listen, togetherness happens when there's self-revelation. He looked at me and he said, Ron, I never really had a good relationship with my dad. So I never told you this, but one time when I was in upper grade school, I actually ran away from home because I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. And he said, I actually hid outside and because I didn't know what to do. I was just a kid. I hid outside, but I heard my father walk in the house and I heard my mother say, R.O. Donald's run away from home. And he said, I heard my dad say, he'll come home when he's hungry. I said, so how'd you learn this? He said, Ron, God blessed me with an older brother. His name is Gail, and he was nine years older than I was. And he said, I, he said, I don't know why. It's not normal for a brother who's nine years older than his other brothers. And there were five of us in the family, and I was the youngest But I can remember from the earliest age, Gail would put out his index finger and I would reach up and I would take hold of his index finger and he would always look at me no matter where he went and he would say, hey bud, you're with me. And he said, Gail took me everywhere he went. And he said, I just thought it was wonderful as a kid. And I didn't realize till I got to be a teenager. You know, when you're a junior in high school, you don't want to be lugging along your second grade brother everywhere you go. But for some reason, Gail took me. And I looked at him and I said, you know, someday, if God allows me to be a father... I want to be like Gail. I want you to think about that. Extended time. No clock ticking. One-on-one. Self-revelation. In that moment, I was drawn to my dad at a level I had never been drawn to before. Why? Because he revealed himself to me. So does God really want that with us? What do you think? I want to read you five scriptures. Here they are. 
Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus, the Bible says that he appointed 12. What do we usually call them? The 12 what? Apostles, right? He appointed 12, designating them apostles that they what? Might be with him. It was quality time. Let's see what else Jesus had to say. John chapter 14. Jesus said as he prayed, I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. You know, when God begins to express His love to us, it's not always about going here and going there. One of the greatest and tenderest ways that God describes the way that He loves us is He just loves to hang out with us. To be at home with us. I have a wonderful little book I read from time to time. You can read it in about 45 minutes. a little booklet. And it simply says, My heart... Christ's home. Yeah. Let's read another one. Revelation chapter 3. God says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, what's the promise? I'll bless you. No, look at it. I will come in and we will share a meal together. How? As friends. You get the sense that the clock is not ticking there? It's not ticking. You get the sense that it's one-on-one? Yeah. Do you get the sense there might be some self-revelation going on? Of course. Two-way revelation. Let's read another one. Those who wait on the Lord. And by the way, the concept of waiting on the Lord also includes the concept not of serving Him, or it's not about praying and waiting till He answers, although both of those are included in there. But the broader context of that, of that phrase is those who wait with the Lord. What's going to happen to them? They'll renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. It's powerful stuff. And I believe there's one more, if I remember right. Here it is, John 14. Even as Jesus takes our minds and and projects them onto eternity. What's the promise that he makes? Here it is. I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. And how does he describe it? So that you will always be with me where I am. When it comes to quality time, friends, once you learn what it's about, it's on page after page after page of the Bible because it is one of the great love languages that God created. It's one of the great love languages He wants to speak to us in, and it's one of the great love languages that He calls us to speak to Him in. Now, as we bring this thing down to a close... Let's talk about quality time with God. I want to start with an acknowledgement. If quality time isn't your primary love language, okay, then speaking it to God probably isn't going to be natural for you. And in some cases, it might not even be fulfilling for you. But I want you to know this. It is for Him. I came across a quote of Mother Teresa's recently that I've been praying to God daily 
while I was on vacation. I I mean, this challenged me to my core. When you look at that tiny little 90-pound woman who changed the world and the powerhouse that she was early in her life, before you and I ever heard of Mother Teresa, before anyone ever heard of Mother Teresa, when she was just, just early on, in her early 20s, you know what she prayed? God, I want to love you like you've never been loved before. I want to love you like no one has ever loved you before. You know, I think sometimes when it comes to love languages, we're so intrigued by what our love language is. And we love to have people speak to us in our love language. Can I just call us back to a reality that the goal of our summer isn't being loved? What's the goal of our summer? It's becoming multidimensional lovers of God and other people. So even if quality time is not your primary love language, I would just challenge you and encourage you and inspire you. Learn how to speak it to God. Because I can tell you, He's fluent in it. And begin to pray that prayer. God, I want to love you like you've never been loved before. And I don't care if I sit with you and it's not the greatest experience I've ever had because, frankly, I'm more motivated by this love language or that love language. It doesn't make any difference to me because I'm here to love you. So how do we do that? We have several ways to apply that, and I'm going to walk through them relatively quickly this morning. Okay. By the way, I just want to tell you up front, as you leave this morning, a few months ago when, we, when I was leading a life group called the Daniel Plan, and part of what I felt led of God to do was to put together a, some guidelines um, for how you can have a great daily personal quiet time with God. And so I'm going to give you those. Well, I won't, but you're going to be given those as you go out the door. It's about, um, it's one page, the back page, and another page. So it's not something that you can read through with the clock ticking. Are you on board? Okay. But I want to encourage you, work through it this week. You might not realize it, but where you meet with God has tremendous effect on how deeply you actually connect with God. I said to you at the beginning, I have a new favorite place for my, for my daily devotions with God. It's in my front yard where the grass is growing and it's green and it's beautiful and it's starting to feel like a garden. And I can tell you that I feel way closer to God and it's so much easier for me to connect with God in that setting than it is sitting in my office with a, with a Bible on my desk. I don't know how you're wired up. But you know how you're wired up, okay? But it'll show you how to pick a setting. It'll show you how to pick a translation or a devotional that works for you. It'll, it'll show you how to fold it into your calendar. There's all sorts of wonderful stuff in there. So I want to encourage you, sometime during this week, take that and work your way through it. 
even if you're brand new to Christ and you've never followed Him, I want to encourage you, take one of those and at least read through it and begin to open your heart to the fact that God might want to meet with you on a daily basis. Now, we're going to apply this in a crawl, walk, run sort of scenario. And I'm going to walk through these or crawl through these or run through these fairly quickly. All right, ready? Here's the crawl steps. If you're brand new, okay, you could spend five minutes each day this week with just God. Okay? And that's the key part. Just God. You got to get in a place where the kids aren't running around, the TV isn't on, none of that stuff. You got to get in a place where it's you and just God. Secondly, you could read Psalm chapters 121 through 135. It's about two chapters a day, and they're short chapters. It won't take you very long. But these are the chapters where David is building his relationship with God. And the psalmist is learning how to pour out his heart to God in that self-revelation. And just reading through someone else doing that will help you. Go on a walk or a drive with God. That's a great way to be just you and God. By the way, turn off the radio. Okay? Just you and God. Commit to journaling once per week on that teaching subject. That's for the rest of this summer. Take some time, just you and God, and write out what reveals some stuff to God about what's going on in your heart about that. Let's talk about uh, walking. In walking, here are some steps. You can read one book this month to get to know God better. By the way, this book, The Good and Beautiful God, that's not a quick read, but I can tell you it's a great read. If you read that book, you will love God, you will fall in love with God more than you ever have before, and you will be so blessed. Next, uh, commit to a walk step each week for the rest of the summer. You can do that. Uh, Read 15 minutes a day in God's Word for the next four weeks. Find a place in the Bible that inspires you and spend 15 minutes a day doing that. The next is a little deeper. Spend 10 minutes of praying to God and then 10 minutes just listening to God. That's where the revelation will come back to you for the next four days. And then last of all, take a 30-minute prayer walk next weekend and simply be silent in God's presence. And you go, whoo, I don't know what that will be like. Try it. It's awesome. You know, when you go to meet with God, He'll meet with you. And then last of all, here are the run steps. These are a little more challenging. Schedule a half-day retreat with God sometime in the next month. Put a half-day off in your calendar. Put a little time and preparation into it. Have your retreat with God. Imagine what would happen in your life if you went on a retreat with God. If you actually put put it in, you know, if you got a close personal friend and you said to your wife, hey, I'm going on a half-day retreat with whoever this is, she would expect you to be having a great time. You would put some thought and preparation into it and you would go and have a great time. Schedule a half-day retreat with God. This month, commit to one hour with God every Sunday after church to sit with Him on the topic that was taught on. That would be awesome. It would take what you're learning this morning and it would help it to get way down into the fabric of who you are. And then last of all, commit to a media fast. And that means no TV and no games on your cell phone. Okay, you know what a media fast is, right? You'd be amazed at how much time you will have to be with God. Now, instead of me praying for you this morning, Justin's going to come and he's going to sing over us as a church a prayer 
And it's actually, I think, the embodiment of what God would say to us. I would encourage you, do your business with God and let him speak to you through this song. enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.